Good evening, everyone. This is Pat Finn and Billy Ray Mitchell from the Sons of Saturday with an emergency episode here. Lots of things are brewing all over the internet, all over the college football world. We got Marty Smith, Mike Vick, Kirk Herbstreet tweeting a ruckus about all this stuff. We got Andy Bitter and Mike Barber and uh, all the local beat writers tweeting all about this. David Teal, Norm Wood, Berman Roanoke. Justin Fuente is rumored as the leading candidate for the Baylor vacancy. And uh, this was reported Tuesday afternoon by Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, who is usually uh, pretty spot on. And ever since then, I guess the last uh, 36 or so hours here have been nothing short of pandemonium. So we, we just want to take care of some things real quick. We want to address what's important. We want to state some thoughts. I got Bill on here, and uh, we're just going to have some dialogue. He's going to answer some questions. And even before I get right into it, uh, today I listened to the Tim Donnelly show for the first time. Uh, he is a, a Blacksburg radio host, and he had Bill Roth on. If you have 15 minutes after you listen to this, go ahead and listen to his segment with Bill Roth from January 15th uh, from his, I think it's called the Hokie Hour. He has Bill Roth on for 45 minutes. The first 15 minutes, they talk about Baylor football. They talk about the program. They talk about their brand new state-of-the-art football uh, facilities. They talk about their brand new state-of-the-art football stadium, which is called Lane Stadium. Of course it is. They talk about their $100 million basketball facility that is, uh, that's coming in here. They also talk about you know the fertile recruiting. They talk about Fuentes. Fuente always uh, wanting to get back to that area as well. But um, you know, at, at this point in time, Bill Roth kind of lays it down and says, listen, at, at this point, Baylor is a more attractive job than Virginia Tech. Given the current circumstances, given you know the past five years, Baylor is a more attractive option. So go ahead. I had to plug that because it was very well done, and I think Bill hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, resources are a plenty there. There's more resources there. You got archaic structures like Jamerson and Merriman uh, in Blacksburg. We frankly don't stack up to uh, to the resources they have there uh, at Baylor. But Billy Ray, how did we get here, man? What's going on? Give me give me your. Uh, Give me your spiel real quick, and then we can kind of uh, jot this down. With want to talk about you know fan reactions, want to talk about player reactions, and you know we're going to talk about what we hope uh, happens and comes of this. So um, as everyone knows that follows me on Twitter, listens to this podcast, um, I am very pro Fuente. I think Coach Fuente is the right man for the job. I know that Coach Fuente likes Blacksburg. I know that the kids like Coach Fuente. Um, and I have really wanted to see him succeed in at Virginia Tech. And I know that uh, he wants to succeed at Virginia Tech. I can't speak specifically to why he would be compelled to do uh, or to interview for this job at this time or in this, in the, in the, in this uh, situation here. But um, you know, if I kind of think about it, and you know, I put myself in 
put myself in his shoes here, you, you got to look at a couple of things. Um, again, the great point uh, that you brought up at the beginning with the financial situation, the facility situation, and, and just everything going on with that. Uh, but you also have to remember, um, as much as we talk about this, it's true. The money situation is something that trickles down across the entire program, whether it's Baylor having their own plane to go on recruiting trips, whether it's um, you know the state-of-the-art facilities, uh, being able to hire additional recruiting staff and support staff. And again, that's not necessarily a – well, it's not a athletic department only problem. Now, the athletic department allocates where the money goes, how it's used – and the percentages that go to which part, and that's obviously important. But there is a pool of money that is there due to donations from the Hokie Club. And it's something that we have preached that needs to be changed, and it's something that definitely, I think, um, is an issue with this job right now. If you want to look at other reasons, you can also look into Baylor is going to be able to offer more money, more than likely, and more longevity in terms of a contract. And it's closer to home, where Coach Fuente is from in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it would be a return back home. Um, the last thing I'll go into before I get into the fan reaction, the player reaction, and everything along those lines is we have to remember that, Pat, you being at Salesforce, me being at Twilio, and, and, and other people who have jobs, you know, at the end of the day, if, 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 you're, not, if you're not affiliated with the school, if you're not an alumni, uh, and you know, live, breathe, and die Virginia Tech... Um, if somebody's offering you a 30% raise and to live closer to home, who's not taking that interview? Who's not showing up and at least sh- showing face at this interview? That's just a harsh reality. I know if, if Apple called me tomorrow and offered me a 30% raise and, 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 and offered me to move to wherever the hell I wanted to go, I would at least go see what Tim, t- Tim Cook or whoever's hiring is talking about. So um, I think to kind of – you just have to zoom out and realize that this is a grown man with a family – um, and Coach Beamer, a former alumni of Virginia Tech, did the exact same thing. Now, did he stay? Yes, he stayed, um, and thank God he did. But um, you know, it's a grown man decision, and it just so happens that blue checkmark Twitter is is following them. People are tracking their planes, and um, that's just kind of the nature that we uh, that we're in today. So I don't necessarily blame him, or I don't blame him for 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 investigating. I just think that the way this entire thing has come about and the timing of it is obviously, um, it's not good. It's it's not ideal, but um, that's kind of what, what it is. Okay, Bill, you know, you used to be in that locker room. The players are on winter break. You saw Trey Turner and Hendon Hooker at the basketball game in Winston-Salem last night sitting behind the bench, and they were, you know, on Twitter, um, you know, live tweeting the game or what have you. If you're a player, like, what are your immediate thoughts about this? Because we did see that Trey Turner said, hey, guys, we're finding out all about this or about all of this from our phones on social media. Not a great look, right? Um, I have to be completely transparent here. This is the way this stuff works. Um, I remember when Coach Beamer, and this is obviously a different situation, but when Coach Beamer had officially retired – we were, I remember I had just finished with the lift and was in the locker room. And, and the first thing that I saw and the first thing entire, my entire lifting group saw was on the bottom ticker of ESPN. I'll never forget it. On one of the TVs, um, you see 
Coach Beamer officially retiring from football at the end of the season. So, you know, that's with everybody on campus. And obviously we had a meeting and then there was the press conference. But um, just this in this day and age, there's just not always a way that this is going to be handled in the manner that um, you would like it to be handled. Um, I think from a kid perspective, this is an extremely difficult thing to handle. But it's the harsh reality of the real world that we're living in today. Um, I would have liked to see uh, us handle this a little bit differently. Um, I do think that the timing of this situation, it would have almost been better if this happened a week and a half later because all the kids would have been on campus. Coach Hamilton or whoever, um, or, or Mr. Babcock or somebody would have had an opportunity to say, hey, everybody, let's get in the team meeting room. Let's talk about this. Let's just go over what's happening. Instead, you have kids across the country or you know in, in in our punter's perspective across the world finding out about this um you know via the interwebs and 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 texting amongst themselves speaking to their parents speaking to their friends and and that's all fine and dandy but there's not really any any guidance here or any understanding of what's going on and um that's an extremely stressful situation to be in and um you know you can understand somebody reacting angrily or reacting uh, upset but to say that it's not a good look, I don't think is necessarily fair um, because we don't know the information of when the athletic department found out themselves. We don't know how quickly Coach Fuente decided to to go ahead and take this interview. So um, that's just the nature of the way that things are today. Everybody, the, the media almost always finds out before everybody in, inside of an organization or inside of a sports team finds out. It's just the way that it is. So... Yeah, kind of to go off of that, um, you know, players are are saying that on Twitter, saying, hey, we're finding out on social media. But then if you're a recruit, if you're a, a 14, 15, 16 year old and you see that, you know, that that's unsettling to you. That's unsettling to the coaches uh, of the recruits as well. I saw uh, Tyree Saunders, uh, his coach was getting all frustrated on Twitter because he had no idea. Um, so that is the way that things are handled these days. It, you know, it is a business decision and, you know, you don't really want to operate and tell the world that you're interviewing, you know, at a competitor, uh, you know, if you're in the real world, the same thing applies here. So Bill, tell me now you've seen the fans go up and down on Twitter. (laughs) I, uh, I like to joke because, uh, my buddy Bryce Chalkley shout out section five, last night he was just like guys like i'm watching the basketball game like stop bothering me i'm watching the basketball game we can talk about this later because people definitely you know i mean i was refreshing my phone all day i'm sure most of the people listening right now are doing the same thing bill what was your uh, what were your thoughts on the fans reaction on twitter um you know because that's the forum that we use uh, a lot i want to i want to i want to come clean about something here i think a lot of the times I've been very critical of Virginia Tech fans and kind of opinions that are floated out there. And I just want to clarify, like, I don't I, I'm not trying to shut down every conversation that is anti Fuente or that is anti, you know, a certain regime. I just think that if you're just getting on there to be negative and be toxic and and, and do all of this, I, I find that negative. I, I find it disheartening that Trey Turner needs to get on and tell people to um, leave his teammates alone regarding an NFL decision or, or, or read into 
um, tweets and, and just that, all that toxic negativity. I think fans are frustrated. I, th- I think a lot of people just really want to see Virginia Tech be successful. And if you want to question, hey, is Coach Fuente the right guy for this program to be successful? My answer is yes. I think that he's the guy to make this program successful. But I don't look at you differently or or, 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 or think that you're an idiot if, if, if you want somebody else, you want the program to move in a different direction. I think what we all need to do here is take a step back and understand that they're 18, 19, 20 all the way up till 22 year old kids that are that are dealing with this and there are men and and not every college coach is getting paid a million dollars there's support staff there's uh families wives daughters and and kids that are in local schools in Blacksburg who just moved there and may not even know if they're going to be there in a couple of weeks so um you know there's a lot that goes into this and and just kind of understanding that those same high school kids you want to come to Virginia Tech, those same players that you root for on Saturdays, whether you like it or not, they read what you put out there. Um, so just keep that in mind and try to um, – I always try to say if if you're just throwing something out there to throw it out there without any basis or fact or, or really any direction, then, then then what are we talking about? You know, God gave you two ears and – or we were born with two ears and one mouth. Um, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So exercise that appropriately. This could go one of two ways here. Uh, it's it's ten thirteen p.m. on Wednesday night. Nothing has happened yet. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to find out on Thursday at this point. Fuente could up and leave. He could accept an offer if he's offered. And uh, he could, you know, take a couple coaches off of his current staff and go to Baylor. And, you know, we would be kind of in a panic mode, one might say. Uh, you know, a disaster mode. I would definitely press the panic button. Or Baylor offers him or Baylor doesn't offer him and he comes back to his job in Blacksburg. Whether that is he gets the offer, says, hey, wit. I'm just doing this to make a statement, which I think is would be completely out of left field. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, it would be a statement to say, hey, Wit, we need more focus on football. We need more funding on football. We need more attention on football. Like, um, we need to make this more of a priority. And, you know, this is kind of like a, uh, a wake-up call, another wake-up call, because we've had a couple of those in the past couple of years. Or uh, he is not offered because Baylor wants to take someone else. They don't see Justin Fuente as a fit. And then Fuente comes back into town, uh, you know, cue the Game of Thrones shame, shame, shame gif. And he's kind of just, you know, walking back into, honestly, like a, a very chaotic environment where people are going to be questioning his loyalty People are going to be questioning, um, you know, if he wants to be in Blacksburg. Whether that's fair or not, because you know, like you said earlier, uh, if if you were offered offered an opportunity, you know, you might as well take an interview. But you know, he brought Jenny out there, according to reports. So, what do you think? Tell me about tell me about disaster mode first. Even yeah. though I don't want to hear it, tell me about disaster mode. Um, disaster mode. And I don't want to say disaster mode, but this is certainly not the situation that you want to be in uh, in January trying to find a coach. I mean, you look around the 
<laughs> when I when I first sat down and started thinking about it, I was like, well, who do you call? Do you do you do you, do you ask Coach Foster to to put his stuff back in a box and move uh, down the hallway into Coach uh, Fuente's office? Um, do you? Uh, call Coach Freeze over at Liberty. I mean, uh, you know, there's just there's. Do you call Coach uh, Coach Baby Beamer or do you call uh, Senior Beamer? What do you What do you do? Um, so Sam Rogers, we're calling or Sam, Sam Rogers. Rogers. We uh, he's gonna have he's gonna be one day on the job at Hanover High School, and yes. we're gonna bring him in. Uh, that's that's definitely something that we have to find out. I think. I don't even want to think about that scenario, but it's a very real possibility. So it's something that you have to. You have to be wary of, um, but we're going to find out here in the next 48 hours. Um, I would assume it would, uh, or I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I'd assume that there would be a, a good amount of the staff, especially on defense, that would be retained uh, if they so wish. Um, on this, on that same note, if Coach Fuente does come back, um, regardless of how you feel about him or feel about the situation, there's going to have to be some damage control that is done here. Um, I don't think at the end of the day, Coach Fuente is a grown man. Like he's a grown man with a family. Like he is within his right to explore options, right? And you said it, this is a business decision. It's more than a business decision. It's a it's 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 a family decision. It's a life decision. Uh, if he comes back, I think you get back. You say, look, like I took this interview. wasn't a good fit. I'm here. Let's go win a bunch of games. At the end of the day, there is great leadership on this team. This isn't the 2000. This isn't the team of two years ago where we lack where we lack upperclassmen leadership and we lack players that are returning. I mean, some of the tweets that we saw earlier today from Dax and from Trey were extremely encouraging um, about wanting to attack next year. I think this team lo- loves each other, uh, coaches aside, um, and I think they have a great support system and they all just honestly want to get back to campus and get back in the groove. I think that's the biggest uh, frustration point. I don't think the frustration is directly towards the staff as much as it is just not knowing what the hell's going on. And when they get some more clarity, regardless of what the coaching situation is, it's going to make everything a lot easier. Now, those are some great points, uh, you know, specifically with the damage control. If you could elaborate a little bit more on, uh, you know, what, the disaster mode would entail and also like what kind of disaster uh what kind of damage control we would need uh on either side of the coin there yeah i mean i think i think the biggest problem here is is if you zoom out and you look at the acc and i hate to keep coming back to it with the cash constraints that our athletic department is under right now we like this next season is monumental in the growth of this of this football program and we've been kind of eyeing it for the last two years as as where we're able to really get back to dominating the coastal and competing for an ACC championship, um, you have to think about it. Virginia is kind of in this position where, and Virginia's got a whole lot of money. Virginia's in this position where they're like, should we spend more money on football? Um, and then you got, you know, North Carolina is going to be up next year, and if you if you have another if you have another down season here because of uncertainty at the in the coaching staff or or, or a bad hire or, or a bad interim here. Um, you know, and and kind of mess up that next recruiting class. I mean, it's going to be a really tough rebuild um, when we've really worked to kind of restock the shelves that, you know, if, if we're being completely honest, weren't as stocked as a lot of people like to say they were towards the end of the Beamer era. Um, and Coach Fuente has done uh, done a good job, kind of 
getting us to a point where we're where we're ready to take that next step next year uh, is what all signs are pointing to. Um, so that's kind of my worry is is this late in the game? There aren't a ton of names out there. The Mike Leeches have been swooped up. Um, you know, Lane Kiffins have been swooped up. Even though you know they, you may not think those would be the best fits. Even my man uh, Chris Partridge has been swooped up by uh, by Ole Miss. Um, but uh, the, the the list of names that would be available this late in the game are very very thin. Um, but at the end of the day, as I've always said, I complete I have complete and utter trust in uh whip babcock to 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 do the right thing and and i and i'm so thankful to have um to have him commandeering this uh commandeering us through this uncertain time um in terms of kind of damage control if coach fuente does roll back into into virginia tech which i really hope does happen you're gonna need to reassure these kids you're gonna need to get them back in their routine again i think that's the most important thing is these kids when you're on break i mean I remember when, whenever we were away from school, you have like this 25 day gap where, you know, you go from having class and practice and lifts every day to where you're doing nothing. And uh, I'm just thinking about myself sitting, I'm, I'm at work, I got calls to make and I'm still refreshing, refreshing the timeline. These kids are probably sitting at home talking about it, group chatting it up and listening to what everyone else is saying about it. And, um, yeah, that's uh, it's a tough place to be when you're 21, 22, 23. So, um, really need the kids to be back at school, have some clarity, and be able to get back in a routine. Um, so that's what I kind of expect from a damage control perspective. Whether it's Coach Hamilton having a conversation with the kids, uh, letting them know that we're finding an interim or that he's going to serve as the interim or whatever it may be, or having Coach Fuente come in that next day addressing what happened, having a, a just a real conversation that these kids – Maybe didn't expect to have, but need to have. Um, that's what it's going to look like. Um, it's going to be one. It's going to be one of those two options. Yeah, when I think about that, I also think about those conversations that he's going to have to have with his staffers. He literally assembled the final piece of the puzzle yesterday with Ryan Smith coming from JMU as the cornerbacks coach. You know, we got uh, Daryl Tap, Ryan Smith, and Jay Ham, all Virginia guys who are really going to take back our state. And now with all of this uncertainty, you know, people are saying right now on Twitter that the that uh, Fuente has been offered. Um, it, it puts a lot out there as far as um, the damage control that would be needed if he comes back and uh, also mi- mitigation from disaster mode. Because I saw a tweet from at uh, your dad editor that I, that resonated with me today. Um, you know, people on Twitter freaking out and other people saying you know what's the problem like it's not like fuentes won acc multiple acc coastals or acc championships but the thing is it's the timing is just so brutal you have an entire class that just signed about you know a month ago you have a super young team with plenty of years of eligibility left you have a brand new staff who was hired legitimately yesterday Justin Hamilton's tweeting out uh, puzzle emojis, puzzle piece emojis, because the final pieces of the puzzle are being put into place. And then Baylor comes and takes the puzzle and throws it at the wall, and all the pieces go everywhere. And it's not uh, – the, the tweet from at your dad, Edder, is it's not doing what he's done. So it's not doing what Fuente has done in Virginia Tech. 
Um, that's not what people are lamenting on that they're going to miss it so much. It's rather, it's starting over this process to possibly be in the same exact place five years from now. So a recycling event, a recycling of events that we literally can't afford right now from a money perspective, from a personnel perspective, and uh, from a player perspective. So, Billy Ray, where do we go from here? Tell me, tell me your thoughts, um, and you know what are we gonna do? Yeah, Pat. Um, on that subject, I want to just zoom out and remind everybody that isn't this what you guys wanted? Forget about how angry you were at Coach Fuente. We're in this situation now where you felt like it would be so much better if he wasn't here, and now our our, our program is is in flux and. You know, hats off to some of the people that have stood stood by that uh, that take the Don V's of the world. I mean, I got you got to respect your um, your commitment to the take. But here's what here's the bottom line. I really hope Coach Fuente stays. I really think he's done a good job positioning this program to succeed in 2020. Um, care about him. I care about the kids on this team. I care about this athletic department. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, if you want to see success in 2020. That is with Coach Fuente wearing his white ball cap and being on the sidelines at Virginia Tech next season. Um, And that's really what we all want to see. I also want to see these kids have an opportunity to be be at ease, understand what's happening, understand what they're going to do. Are they going to have Colorados or is somebody else going to come in and are they going to have Arizonas to do in a couple of weeks? Kind of understanding... Just what's going on, and um, I think from a staff perspective, although this is obviously unique, Bill Tierling coming from the NFL. I mean, the NFL is more of a business than than anywhere else in uh, in sports. He's he gets it, and um, but it it is frustrating, especially um, with the new coach from JMU, and it just really isn't what you like to see. So I personally really hope that uh, Coach Fuente is able to come back. I think uh, that it is imperative that he gets behind a microphone and um, and addresses this situation as quickly as possible if he does come back. If not, I think it's imperative that we hear from uh, Mr. Babcock or hear from somebody or from Coach Hamilton just uh, to get everybody at ease. But these kids need to get back on campus. It's five days until the new semester starts. So um, just want some clarity. I'm sure we all want clarity. As much as, as, much as uh, us fans here want clarity, the kids, the parents, the, uh, and the families want clarity more. So um, really just ready for this saga to wrap up and for Virginia Tech to dictate what the next direction is. Yeah, and as you said, Bill, if he comes back and and he's rocking that white uh, Nike hat with a maroon shirt and a hokey logo, he's gonna have to he's gonna have some explaining to do. Like we're not we're not just welcoming welcoming him back with open arms. I will personally like I'll 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 be happy to have him back, but it's not going to be easy for him, um, and it, he, he should expect that based on kind of doing this whole rigor remote thing um so i i have very mixed feelings on it some things you have to address as well and again it was a different time this was uh 20 years ago frank beamer was all but uh all but packaged up to go to Carolina in, I think it was 2000 or 2001, right after the national championship season. 
He had a national championship appearance. He had three Big East titles under his belt, and he was about to leave us and go to North Carolina and uh, never coach in Blacksburg again. He was going to leave his own alma mater. He was going to leave everything behind. And then, and everyone knew about it. And at the last second, he came back and he was welcomed with open arms because one, we he did so much for us, but um, two, he was able to get his entire staff paid. Everyone got raises right away. And it was kind of like Frank sticking his flag in the ground saying, hey, I'm here for the long haul. I'm here uh, for the rest of my career. Let's do this thing. So Fuente is going to have to have uh, a very strategic enter re-entering plan uh, if he comes back. Pat, let me just weigh in on this and, 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 add, and, add, and go, on a little, go on a little tangent here. And I know I'm coming up on your turf a little bit. I want to say that regardless of if you want Coach Fuente to succeed or you want to hire somebody else that is going to uh, help this program get to where it needs to be and we know it can be, that requires cold, hard cash. Whether you want to replace Coach Fuente with a slam dunk hire or you want to build the facilities that are going to make the recruits want to come and spend four to five years at Virginia Tech. Um, I think that this should serve as a wake-up call. Pat, I think if you look back a decade ago and you asked most Virginia Tech fans what conference Baylor was in, they may not even know. I used to know Baylor as this small Southwest Texas school that when I was playing NCAA 07 and I pressed the randomize button and I got Baylor, I was like, damn, what's going on with the Golden Bears? I have no idea what that is. And then, you you know, that is what it used to be. And now we're in a situation where the Baylor freaking Bears are possibly poaching a coach away from a program that was winning 10 games at a minimum a decade ago and was competing for a national championship two decades ago. That's the harsh reality of the situation. And if you're kind of in this, in, this, in, this, uh, in this category where you're like, well, cash doesn't matter, money doesn't matter, um, you know, all of these different excuses, it's, it, it, this is another, just another example of, of that being completely and utterly ridiculous. Um, Pat, I'm sure you have something to say about about that but that's kind of what i'm taking away from this a lot of it goes back to the virginia tech athletic fund failing to capitalize in what we call the golden years of virginia tech football jim weaver was our athletic director he did some great things with us for facilities back in the 80s and the 90s and uh you know he was really good at helping virginia tech operate in the black with uh expenses that being said, uh, in between 1995 and 2011, one could call the 16-year golden age of Virginia Tech football, Jim Weaver completely miss- missed the boat. He completely failed to capitalize on capturing uh, donors at this point where Virginia Tech football was reeling off 10 wins every single season. Uh, and and uh, we were winning the Big East. We were winning, winning the ACC. Have a Heisman finalist, Michael Vick, go to the national championship game. Have one of the best coaches of college football history. Have the best defensive coordinator of college football history. 16 years. Lane Stadium was full every single Saturday from 1995 to 2011. And our athletic director, Jim Weaver, did not capitalize on getting these people to donate to the program. He just didn't. 
you know, take Jason, Jason Smith. He's a 2002 grad from Chesapeake, Virginia. Jason Smith is a, he's, he's built a very established career. Let's say Jason Smith started his own company and it's worth $175 million. But Jason Smith was never grabbed by Jim Weaver and never grabbed by the hooky club at that time. And, uh, was never really asked to give. And because of that, you got, I'm sure there's Hokies all over who have plenty of money and, and they probably donate to plenty of charities. But since the Hokie club never really captured them at their peak interest of the football program, of the basketball program, of whatever uh, Virginia tech athletic fund program and the failure to capitalize there has really haunted us in our years where finally we got a guy like Witt who was asking us for money to drive for 25 and we're winning six, seven, eight, nine games a year. It just does not compare. It doesn't compare. You can't, it, it, it is so much harder to ask someone to open up their wallets when you're winning six games than when you're winning 10 year in and year out. That's one thing. But another thing just uh, to kind of, uh, to put this to bed here, the Nike contract, the Jim Weaver Nike contract, when Witt was hired, it was pretty much all signed, sealed, delivered. It was sitting on his desk when he got into his office as athletic director in 2014. And he said, yeah, I, I guess I have to sign this thing. It's all done up. It's been procured. It's whatever. It's good. Virginia Tech, this is a, uh, I think it's a 2016 report. We have the 62nd uh lowest apparel contract uh, across the Power Five. So Virginia Tech is 62, Illinois is 63, Iowa State 64, and Rutgers 65. This contract goes until 2022, and it is the worst contract in the ACC. And this was another thing that uh, you know was more so uh, part of the Jim Weaver era. We've been missing out on so much potential money from Nike because of our horrible contract value, and uh, that is just another area where we've been lacking in the funding. But yeah, it all comes down to money. Support staff is extremely expensive. Rutgers University pays their support staff twice as much as Virginia Tech has. Um, and that's anything from recruiting, uh, you know, anyone on the recruiting staff to analysts, you know, it's not just your assistant coaches. I mean, this is like, goes everything down to like the marketing interns. Um, it's, it's serious stuff, but, um, if my bottom line here, if you call yourself a passionate Virginia tech fan, if you call yourself a diehard hokey, and if financial, if you have the financial means, there is absolutely zero excuse that you don't, you know, open up your wallet once a year, make it a hundred dollar donation, make a, I don't know, a thousand dollar donation, make a $25 donation. It takes a bunch of bricks to build a house and, if you want to settle for a mediocre house, you're not going to open up your wallet. I hate being the guy who says money is, uh, you know, going to de- determine everything with our program. But if you don't believe it, you need to face the facts and understand that it is the most important thing in big boy college football. If if you want Virginia Tech to compete with Baylor, who doesn't really have a a uh, an astounding college football history. They just got more generous donors. If you want Virginia Tech to compete with the Clemsons of the world, 
it's the reality. And I'm sorry if, if you don't feel that way. And I'm sorry if, you know, you might have a differing opinion, but I'm going to tell you right now that that is the cold, hard truth and the cold, hard facts. Pat, well said, uh, everybody settle down. Uh, you may listen to this after a verdict. You may listen to it before, um, but just doing our best to kind of roll with the punches here and, and uh, figure it out. But uh, in what I trust, in Virginia Tech I love, and uh, in Coach Fuente I hope we can uh, figure this out. After this, we have the Austin Gable interview that we had promised last episode. Uh, stay tuned for that. And um, back to regular scheduled programming. More than likely. Pat, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just got one more thing. I know I, I really went on a rant. It's been a while since I did Pat's rant of the week. I kind of handed that off to Bill for a little bit. Charlie Wiles was making 250 or 260 k at Virginia Tech. He doesn't get retained on this defensive staff, and now he goes to NC State and is making $400,000. Who in the world would think NC State is a... Uh, you know, a more renowned uh, program than Virginia Tech. Nobody. Nobody. But since they have the resources, they're able to pay Charlie Wiles more, and he's he's getting essentially a promotion. So just some more uh, food for thought, something more to chew on. I know Wit really likes to uh, spread the wealth among all of our sports as well. I know we have uh, more varsity sports than some other schools, but uh, chew on that as well as a closing thought. Enjoy our interview with Austin Gable, and uh, I guess we'll find out some news tonight or tomorrow. Everybody, welcome back to the Suns. It's Wednesday night. We are re-recording our episode here with Virginia Tech wrestling alumni, uh, legend of the program, Mr. Austin Gable. But before we get into that, real quick, got to give you guys the the knowabouts. If you have vermins crawling up and down your gutters and cabinets and rugs and kitchen counters if you have cockroaches crawling around your pillowcases and oh, it's getting man. really crazy i you know what sons listeners i hope none of you have this because people who listen to the sons they have good hygiene for the most part but for the isolated event that a cockroach or ant or any type of bug creature rat Pest is crawling around your house and you want to get them out, call PMSI today. Pest Management Services Incorporated, serving the Blacksburg area, serving Ashburn, Virginia, Western Maryland, Winchester, and Fairmont, West Virginia. The official partner of the Hokies, the Capitals, the Wizards, Skins, and Ravens. Call them up today. Continue your hygiene, continue your practice so you don't have to call them. But when you do, if you, you know, if if you go on vacation for a week and you leave some some cheese out and you come back and it is just an unsightly sight, call PMSI and they will take care of you. 
We got Billy Ray Mitchell, and we got Austin Gable. Austin Gable, former Hokie wrestler. How are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. We had a nice little test run, so uh, I should be a little more crisp uh, this evening, hopefully. Yeah, I was going to say, we, uh, we interviewed Austin on Sunday, had some technicality difficulties, but uh, we are back in action, and uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, so, Austin... We want to talk about wrestling because let's be real here. Wrestling is probably uh, the the more the most consistent thing going on in Blacksburg these days. You know, we love Mike Young. He just crushed Wake Forest last night on the road. Talk to us about the recent happenings because we 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 did destroy a rival on Saturday, and there are a couple other things that I know you want to get into real quick. So Austin, take it away, my friend. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, like you touched touched about uh, right there you know we had the the black diamond uh rival uh match against west virginia this past week and um really good fan turnout from what i heard uh i think there was a basketball game prior so i think a lot of people stayed around and came out to watch wrestling who who normally maybe won it um so that's great kudos to marketing and uh you know all the operation people there at tech and then um but yeah 36 to 3 dominant win uh you know west virginia is a building program uh coach Flynn over there you know he's gonna he's gonna get them right but it's gonna take a little while before they're anywhere close to uh what virginia tech has right now and going to be having in the future but uh great win dave mcfadden got his 100th win uh big shout out to him that's uh, a feat that not many get to accomplish at the Division One level. So, uh, obviously, he's got higher aspirations, and, and he's hunting hunting down a uh, national title this year. Um, going back previously, before uh, this weekend, um, or this past week, I should say, uh, we also wrestled Chattanooga, uh, had a really good match against them as well, uh, another dominating um Dominating score from really top to bottom from all those guys. Um, and then uh, leading up even to that, at the end of 2019, there was the big Midlands tournament. And none of our guys went there because typically they uh, kind of gauge the back, step back. If we go to one, we only try to do one big wrestling tournament each year just because there's such grinds and they beat your body up so much. But McFadden couldn't go to Vegas. So the coaching staff decided to send him to Midlands. Uh, had a pretty good showing out there. Um, beat a highly ranked guy at the time, Wick from Wisconsin, who McFadden's previously beat, but um, you know, still for rankings and just building his his resume, getting making sure he's going to secure a good seat at the NCAA tournament. It was a big win for him, and then uh, he ended up losing in the finals to Marinelli from Iowa, who's a stud. Uh, but McFadden also beat him and two years ago at the NCAA tournament. And so now they're, they're one and one. So, uh, you know, I think McFadden probably learned a lot from that match. And, you know, right now I think Marinelli might be the guy to beat at 165 on page. So, you know, he's, he's no, McFadden knows what he's got to do to, uh, make the correction for the next time they wrestle. Um, and then going from there, uh, jumping outside of the, just typical VT wrestling realm uh, and going into the SERTC, the Southeast Regional Training Center, which is basically the club program that uh, Virginia Tech 
facilitates for uh, guys who are competing to have aspirations of winning world and Olympic titles. So right now, uh, you know, two of the big guys that are that are training down there for us are Ty Walls, uh, obviously uh, Hokie wrestling legend at heavyweight, and and then everyone knows who Makai Lewis is. So I don't need to need to give an introduction for him. Um, but both those guys had a uh, had competed down in Texas um, to uh, make a qualifier uh, for the Olympic trials. And, and they both succeeded. Both had uh, pretty good turnouts. Makai, uh, uh, Makai lost in the finals, but second to a guy that he previously uh, beaten. But still, you know, freestyle scoring can happen so quick. It was just kind of a, you know, got thrown in, in one position and, and lost a bunch of points that way and just couldn't uh, come back from the deficit. But uh, still good opportunity. And the big thing is he qualified, you know, which is awesome. And then Ty, Ty had a really good tournament. He beat a couple guys that he's never beaten before, guys that are really, really high on the ladder. You know, if Ty's, Ty's kind of been three or four, and he beat guys that were two and three on the ladder. So, uh, you know, big jumps for him and just uh, continued success to see from those guys. So happy they both qualified. Um, for the Olympic trials, so that's kind of a recap, man. Uh, that's that's what's been going on in the wrestling world. Uh, ACC is right around the corner. That's fantastic. Um, you know, you talk about McFadden getting his hundredth win. Uh, that's pretty incredible. He joins twelve other Hokies who have been able to achieve a uh, hundred career wins. And then, uh, yeah, Ty and Makaya Lewis, man, like that's. That's simply incredible that they're doing so well, um, you know, through those trials. You mentioned ACC. So, you know, for, for folks who aren't super familiar with the landscape of the ACC in relativity to, uh, you know, wrestling, NCAA wrestling, the Big Ten has always been, you know, home of most of the powerhouse programs. But mm. Austin, if you want to tell us about you know, the, the kind of like the historical landscape of ACC wrestling, where tech falls into that. I know uh, NC State, Carolina, Duke, Pittsburgh, uh, even UVA have solid programs as well. But just give us, you know, give us the spiel on uh, ACC wrestling, who's competitive and, uh, you know, who should we be looking out for? Because we're at the top spot in the ACC right now, but, uh, you know, there is solid competition. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because... Um, you know, in wrestling, you know, with new staffs getting brought on and, and people leaving and, um, you know, just recruiting-wise, uh, you know, the ACC is constantly changing and, and, and just molding into um, a new a new division, really. You know, it's where it was, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago is nowhere where it is today. And there's a lot of schools out there that have made huge, huge jumps. Um, you know, one that that stands out big time is NC State. You know, I remember wrestling them my redshirt freshman year, and I don't even think they could fill like two of the weight classes. Like they just forfeited the weights, uh, and you know they were kind of the laughing stock. Like everyone would just whoop up on them. It was almost like a bye weekend when you when you're wrestling NC State and. Uh, what what uh, Pat Papalizio has, has done over there um, at NC State has been phenomenal, and it's been quick too. I mean, he's only been there, I want to say, gosh, 
I was a redshirt junior, I think, when they came when he came on board. So he's probably been there like five, five or six seasons, I want to say. So he, he's done a lot. Really changed the the landscaping recruitment for the Carolinas, and then um, you know also UNC uh, coach Scott down there. Uh, he was an Okie State alum. They actually both were uh, Pappen and um, Scott were both. Uh, Oakley State alum, so another historical program where they come from. So they kind of know, have the winning formula. You know, they've gone through it, and they've just been able to really open the doors for kids to come to North Carolina and, you know, seek great competition. Um, but then you, you got other schools like Pittsburgh, who's, who's kind of had a little bit of a roller coaster. They've had some coaching changes come in and, and leave and then come back in. And they're, you know, they're definitely climbing in, in some polls. Pittsburgh is ranked top 10 in the country this year. So um, just solid throughout from top to bottom, ACC. You know, the, the two ones that I would highlight, uh, which, well, actually there's, there's three. Uh, UNC is going to be January 24th, right? That's going to be a big one. And then um, I believe we also have, and that's a home, home match at Castle. And then we end the season, end the year with um, – both, I think it's NC State is the second to last week, and then uh, Pittsburgh is the very last week. So, and I believe those are all home home duels as well. So, great opportunity to see awesome ACC wrestling, and it's it's just cool to see kind of where the where the conference has come. I mean, it really is. It, it's made dramatic strides, and it goes out to the athletic departments taking wrestling serious in ACC and bringing in the right coaching staff and you know, making sure there's funding to bring in those people and then just the coaches being able to recruit, uh, you know, the best talent kind of in this uh, Eastern location. Yeah, uh, so you mentioned the Eastern location and, and, and Pat, you and I can kind of uh, relate to this here. I think the ACC is in a very unique situation where, um, especially since the exodus of the Big East, um, with all the teams that were in the Big East, the ACC is in a much better position to land kids from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, where, I mean, if you're familiar with New Jersey, you know the Don Boscos, the uh, St. Joe's, the Bergen Catholics, where a lot of this wrestling talent is. Uh, the Del Bartons as well. Shout out to Pat. Um, <laughs> all, of the, all of this talent. Um, kind of talk about where, the multi- where most of the talent comes from in terms of recruiting. Uh, I don't think I don't think wrestling's very popular in uh, in California and, and Washington. But tell me if I'm wrong. Well, you know, I mean, Washington. I yeah, I, I don't know how. <laughs> there's probably not a great amount of wrestlers come there. California, just because it's such a big state, you know, and they have one division, right? So when you say you're a state champ from California, you know, you're a state champ for all the schools. It doesn't matter how big or small your school might be. So. Wow. You know, California always has a has a couple studs, but um, that that come out of there. But really, I mean, the hotbed of wrestling, you know, is in great location to where the ACC schools are located. You know, Virginia Tech uh, specifically. Um, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey are are really the three that that pop and stand out the most, and. I think if you look at our recruiting and, you know, at one point this season, I think at least, I want to say like 70% of our lineup might have been 
Virginian. So I still think Virginia Tech does an awesome job of keeping great talent in state, which we should continue to do. And it's, you know, you always want to keep the best guys close to home. Uh, but also, you know, we're, we're going out and getting, you know, those blue chip recruits that are out of state as well that come from Pennsylvania, that come from Ohio, that come from New Jersey. Um, and, you know, and we'll go, we'll go wherever. I mean, Virginia Tech wrestling has proven that. I mean, I'm from, I wouldn't say I was a blue chip recruit by any means, but, you know, they couldn't pick me out of Colorado. So, uh, Virginia Tech recruiting has gone great, but I mean, it's, it helps too when you're in a sweet spot. Absolutely, man. Uh, we love the shout outs to the New Jersey, uh, for the first time listeners, Bill and I are both from there. So, uh, you know, we like, we like repping the East coast and we also like, uh, the fact that they're coming to Virginia Tech now, uh, infiltrating the ACC schools. Now, Austin, um, kind of give us, give us your outlook here on out, because you know we're kind of past the midway point in the season. I know we got a huge uh, match coming up against Duke at the Moss Arts Center. That's just a that's just one bullet point uh, off of uh, you know what we got coming over the next uh, you know month month or two. Uh, but give us like your outlook on the rest of the year and, you know, kind of like the what's next, what to look forward to. So this weekend, the boys are, are traveling up north to New York. They are wrestling at Binghamton on Saturday and then have a quick turnaround and are at Cornell on Sunday. Um, you know, a couple a couple big matches, uh, you know, one in particular at 184 against uh, Binghamton. Uh, Hunter Boland's going to wrestle um, Blue. Uh, gosh, man, I'm I'm playing his name. Depraz, I think Depaz or something like that. Um, and that's those are two top ranked guys. The Lou guy just uh, he just won the Southern Scuffle. You know, one of the biggest tournaments of the year leading up to the NCAA tournament. So, uh, and I think I believe they already wrestled even at Vegas, and Hunter came away with the win. Uh, but it's going to be another tough competition uh, to get him ready for uh, some of the stiff ACC competition at 184. And then Cornell, uh, Cornell's kind of, you know, they're doing a lot of Olympic red shirts this year. You know, there's, they have a two-time returning NCAA champion that's, that's sitting out of lineup, and they also have another uh, All-American at 125 uh, stud that's, that's also sitting out. So they're, they're not as great as they have been historically in the past. You know, if you're looking at the rankings, they're, you know, not in the top 10 this year, which is a little out of characteristic for them. Uh, but still, you know, wrestling in Cornell, those guys have a huge, huge, huge wrestling uh, fan base and following. Um, football's not real big up in the Ivy League, so I guess wrestling takes the place up there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a fun uh, fun uh, environment to wrestle in front of, so I know the guys will, will get excited and get up and ready to go for that one. And then, uh, you know, after that, it's really – uh, it's really ACC from from here out. You know, I think we go up to Virginia Beach um, to wrestle ODU as well. Um, so that would give a chance for a lot of seven five seven Hokies to come out and watch uh, Hokies a little closer to home. Um, I know that's that's big, and Roby likes to get up there to to wrestle for those guys and, and those people, those those supporters in the, in the Virginia Beach Chesapeake area. So. Um, you know, that's kind of what's unfolding. I think ACC is going to be really fun this year to watch. Uh, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. I think it'll be, you know, probably either us or NC State when it comes down to it, who's going to get the, 
the dual championships as well as the team championships. So um, it'll be fun. And then obviously nationals, uh, NCAA tournament's going to be in Minnesota. And, you know, I think there's a real good shot that, you know, we get nine, uh, nine, maybe even 10 of our 10 guys qualify for NCAA. So that would be huge. Yeah. So last question here uh, that I have, um, talk to me a little bit about, as we talk about the progression of this program and, and kind of where we are competing now where we're qualifying for nationals and, and this has become like a, a mainstay national program. You said the last time you were on here, you know, you expect a national championship to be very possible within the next three years. Talk to me kind of about what is the next step or what can we do to help us get to where this program can be as we're kind of entering this conversation where the Ohio States have been for so long and, and, and these other national powers, how are we, what is that next step and what does that look like? Well, I, you know, I think there's a couple elements to it. Uh, but one, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little plug for the SERTC right now. And that is really, um, giving money and donating from a fan base to, uh, to that club team because what that does is that enables some of the best wrestlers in the country us to be able to provide for them and say, hey, we're going to give you you know a competitive salary to come and train here at Virginia Tech, and you know we're getting some of the best guys in the country uh, to come here and stay here. Then that only helps our our current roster guys get better because wrestling really is one of those sports where. Um, you know, uh, your, your sword sharpens the other, right? So, um, the more, the more high quality guys we can, we can keep close to Blacksburg, the better. Um, so that, that's probably a big thing for us to continue to build, uh, success is just, is just keeping world-class wrestlers close to the Virginia Tech wrestling room. And then, um, you know, the second thing is I think we have some phenomenal recruiting classes, you know, the, the, the freshman class this year, there's a lot of really, really touted individuals that are redshirting. And then um, what's coming up the pipeline this next year uh, as well, uh, the current seniors, another great recruiting class. I think we were, you know, depending on which polling you were at, looking at, but I think, you know, we were probably two or three for overall recruiting classes for the 2021 class, or sorry, 2020. And, um, you know, I think you got to let those guys mature a little bit. And, you know, someone like Makai Lewis, who's still going to be involved in the program the next three years, you know, his leadership grows. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think come, you know, about three years from now, you get some of these young guys to get a little more experience in the belt, get in tune with college wrestling and, and you know, the day-to-days of it, then, uh, you know, we're going to be seeing a team that's going to be competing legitimately for a national championship and that nothing i want more at virginia tech is the national championship so uh we're doing some great things i have taken a look at those uh those recruiting rankings actually just pulled up the serTC website and uh it looks really legit i'm gonna be honest here uh guys if you're listening at home you're in front of your computer check it out uh because it seems like an awesome type of uh, development program i see that they have a golf tournament every year here in the yep. fall so that's pretty sweet as well um so yeah i mean great things coming out of blacksburg blacksburg wrestling um at virginia tech coach roby uh, and the guys here uh are 
really shooting for the stars. Now, uh, before you go, Austin, any last shout outs? Uh, you know, thanks for taking the time on this, uh, this busy night for you, but, twice. uh, twice, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time with you over this, uh, this past week here. Any shout outs, any last minute, uh, minute words or expressions? I, I, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, hopefully the fans listening, uh, aren't too numbed by my voice, I guess, but, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I, anytime you guys want me to come back on, I'm more than willing very happy to come back on and uh last shout out is i gotta give it to callie and her group of friends because they've already sent a group text saying i better give a shout out so shout out to the pits and, and blair and, and emma and all those girls <laughs> oh man the uh the sam hartman love the sam hartman crew the sam hartman wake forest superstars <laughs> of the sideline love that love that and <laughs> yeah, if if you're a if you're a former Hokie athlete listening, if you're a Hokie athlete listening, you want to come on Suns and you want to bring some awesome content like Austin just did for us, uh, you know, over the past couple minutes, please reach out to us. Uh, you know, we'd love to have you on and uh, we'd love to get engaged with you. Hokies for Hokies. That's that's the moral of the story. Am I right, Billy Ray? You are not wrong. <laughs> All right. Take care everyone. Thanks for joining and uh Let's figure out this coaching situation. (laughs) There we go. Let's figure it out.